Okay, so we're uh, we're middle of the fifteenth letter, and the uh, the fifteenth letter is the response. This is uh, after thirteen letters of uh, presenting his his basic understanding, his philosophy of Yiddishkeit of Torah. What what does it mean to be a Yid? He now goes on to the answer and addresses the challenges that. Um, that Binyamin presented in the first letter. So Binyamin presented what he felt were the strong challenges to Yiddishkeit. He's uh, obviously a young German youth living uh, sometime in the 19th century. And he says, you know, the world at that point was becoming enlightened and, you know, so much was going on in terms of arts and culture and economics and architecture and everything. And Yiddishkeit was falling short. It's like, well, you know, the Torah leaves us behind. The Torah doesn't develop these things that he says are the purpose of what life is, the things that make a person happy. And uh, what's going on over here? And so now, once he presents the basic ideas, the person is going back and addressing one by one the points that he's making. The last thing that we mentioned, um, we're on page 196 in Rabbi Elias' version. He says that one of the things that the Torah does is that it interferes with all the joys of life and denies every pleasure. Right? It's like you can't enjoy life. So many mitzvahs telling you what you're not allowed to do, you can't do this, you can't do that. It's a really, it's a buzzkill. So he says, you go through everything and, and uh, you'll see that any genuine pleasure is mutter minatayra. However, that the Torah does is, is directs it, it places a limitation on those pleasures. You could be, right, you can enjoy food, however, certain foods you can't, under certain circumstances you can't, right? So in other words, any genuine pleasure, mikol eitzagan, you can eat. Right, that's what Chavat Tadanacha tried to say. You can't eat anything, right? Oh, you can't do anything. No, you can eat Mikol Eitzagan. Right, this is to me prayers. One specific one. So Hashem, by giving us mitzvahs, places limitations on what we can do. But within those limitations, Hashem says, enjoy life, embrace life. And it's usher to be asaris is usher, just like it's usher, arayas is usher, and so is it usher to be misaris yourself, right? To castrate yourself. Celibacy is not, not a Jewish ideal. That enjoying within the limits placed by Hashem to enjoy life, that's a very Jewish idea. This could hardly be otherwise. Would Hashem endow us with instincts and faculties only to have them prescribed by His law to the point of eradication? Like Hashem gave us, you know, drives for certain things and now Hashem's just going to, okay, goodbye, you can't use them at all. You have to just completely ignore every single impulse that Hashem gave. It can't be, right? Hashem gave you the drives. There's opportunities here. You have to control yourself in certain circumstances, direct it in the right way, but that you should not be able to have any pleasure. That can't be what the Torah wants. The highest degree of divine service, according to the Torah, is joy before the Lord. What does that mean? Serene joyfulness in life. Right? Simcha is not a lashon of like a, some sort of you know, one event that happened, like a sudden joy, a sudden jolted joy. It's serene joyfulness in life. That means just in being content and happy and at peace. Right? With all the things going on in life, right? It's, it's, you're happy. You're happy because you're keeping the Torah. Flowing from our awareness that our life, our thinking, our feelings, our speech, our actions, our joys and our sorrows are the objects of Hashem's attention. Right? Hashem wants us to think a certain way. Hashem wants us to act a certain way. And Hashem is listening. And Hashem is paying attention. Right? That's, that's the most... And, and being aware of that and living your life according to that brings a person to the greatest happiness. In fact, at the highest point of human attainment, Joy and sorrow are no longer opposites, right? You make a, the Mishnah says, just like you, you give Hashem a bracha when something good happens, you make a bracha when something bad happens. What does that mean? With the same joy, with the same happiness. Right? You, know, you make a teva mate if you make a dayan emes. There are both challenges presented to us, and only our everlasting aim in life is joyfully to seek to meet them. Right? In other words, 
And this is a very, very important point. You know, uh, I think I, I may have said it here when I first spoke here years ago, when this all started. I, I, the analogy that I gave was, uh, I don't know if it's not up to date in the technology as much, so I, you know, I, can't, I don't know if the analogy still holds still, but uh, I, I read this book, the famous you know, Walter Isaacson's book on Steve Jobs, right? And just, and describing the difference between you know, Apple's philosophy and Microsoft's philosophy, right? What's the difference? And, and there's a lot of differences, right? But the, the PC, right? What's the PC? The PC is this powerful computer. And you can run any software. Anyone can make a software. Any computer company, your Sony, it can use Windows. You know, um, you know, Dell could use Windows. HP, they all Windows can run anything, right? It's a very, very powerful software. It's Windows, and the hardware could be anyone else can make the hardware. So the hardware and software are made by two different companies, right? And that's it. The benefit of that is, is that it's very powerful, right? A lot of, you're making a very powerful software, and a lot of people could use it, and it's mass appeal, and it's wonderful. The problem is that since the hardware and software, right, so the guy that made the computer was HP, the software was Windows, so they're not always going to be so compatible, right? The hardware is limited by the software, the software is limited by the hardware. You can have a super powerful computer, right, but if the Windows can't take advantage of, of the speed and the power, then what's your powerful computer worth? You have a very powerful Windows, but if your computer has a, too little RAM and it's too, too slow, it's not going to work, right? You know, Jobs believed that what he called end-to-end integration, right? Apple makes everything. They make the computer, they make the hardware, they make the software, they make the, the, the apps, they make everything, right? Look at even the iPhone, right? The same thing, Android and, and, and the iPhones, right? They make the actual phone, and they made the iOS, and they're making all the apps, right? And so it's integrated, even like the App Store, which was a chiddush, that they opened up the App Store to other developers, like a big chiddush, you know, but they have to prove it and they have to test it. Right? The Milo that is, it's, they're meant for each other, right? So let's say, you know, they want to make something in the software. Like, you know, I remember this, when they made a, a cover, right? The iPad made their own cover, right? So when you close it, when you close the cover, the phone closes, right? How'd they do that? Well, because they made the phone and they made the cover. So they can make the phone. They put a magnetic strip at the end. And then it, since they're the ones making it all, so it all integrates perfectly, right? If you get the difference between the Apple headphones and the other ones, this, this was made by the same company. So they can make them for each other. The hardware and the software are made by the same person, and so they integrate. That's why Apple has fewer bugs, right? A person is a piece of hardware, right? You're a physical body or a hardware. Now, you can run different softwares. There are a lot of different softwares to run. You could run different religions. You could run different philosophies and hashkafas and different things. Those are all softwares. But they're, they're ultimately, they're going to crash, and they could do very powerful things sometimes. But since they weren't made by the same person, right? The same person that made the body didn't make this, this law, this you know, ideology that you're following, Right? And so you're ultimately going to crash. You're not going to be happy. It's not going to run smooth. The Rabbani Shalom who made the human body, made the person, made his neshama, made his mind, made his traits, made his temperament, made his emotions. He also wrote the Torah. And he says, this is the software that you need to run. And if you run this software, you will be happy. You'll be content. You won't crash. Right? And you think sometimes the Torah is unreasonable. This is what I'm supposed to do. But ultimately, by doing what the Torah says... You're doing what the manufacturer wants. This is what the manu- right? You're using it the way the manufacturer intended the human body to be used. And ultimately, that will bring the truest happiness. Teres Hashem Tamima Meshivas Nafesh, right? The Torah is whole. It's Meshivas Nafesh. By keeping the Torah, that will ultimately, that's what brings to serenity. That's what brings to, doesn't mean that life is going to be easy. doesn't mean that you're always going to be happy in this, like, you know, you could, right? You know, like uh, someone told you a joke kind of happy. But it's a contentment that even when things are bad and dying or MS, it comes from the same realization that it's the Rabbani Shalom and Mavarech HaLarok, Hashem Shavarech HaLatayv. And that's, so, so you want to, you know, so he's tiny that the Yiddish guy doesn't allow you to enjoy life. 
It's the opposite. Again, to, to, to be happy, you know, to take drugs and, and, and to, to laugh and go to a... That's not happiness, right? You could be a temporary, you could laugh. But no one's going to tell you that, uh, right? No one's going to say that, uh, that the Americans today are uh, in a state of happiness, right? With more antidepressants and more, you know, drug uses than, than ever before, right? What, what makes a person content is recognizing that his life is from the Rebbein Shalom, living his life according to the Rebbein Shalom, and that's what brings true happiness. So you want to talk about happiness, the Torah is what ultimately will bring a person to true happiness. You wrote that the Jewish people has not made any contribution to the edifice of human civilization. That was also, again, nowadays, I don't know if we're, we care so much about such a taina, but back then, right, you look at, the, they were looking at Germany and what they were accomplishing and the great musicians, right, and, 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 the, and the architecture and the beautiful art and exhibits and museums and, and, and the, you know, economic theories and, and the philosophical theories. And look at what you do. Yes, you wrote a, you wrote a safe with like the, the dribbling about some, uh, some, some Miguel Mafre, you know what I mean? That's like, you know, well, what is this? This is, this is what we should be dealing with? Human beings, we should be dealing with, uh, you know, Heikha stuff. So he says, I don't want to ask whether any of all the other peoples has consciously contributed a single building block, right? In other words, you think that like, you know, that the, you know, the great contributions, you think that the people that are, you know, medicines, they did it because they want to help people, right? This is the famous Gemara by Dazar, right? That the... The Mashiach's going to come, the, the, the Rome's going to come. Look, we built all these bridges, we built all these things. Sasha and Mashiach, like, yeah, you did it for yourself. You, know, you did it because you want to help humanity. Right? That's, why, that's why they built uh, these beautiful buildings and, 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 and art was to, to help humanity. That's not why, right? They did it for themselves. Right? I don't want to probe whether or not it's true that virtually all of them merely sought their own benefit, unaware that they themselves were building the hands of that, right? They were all tools in the hands of Hashem, right? as if somehow they were, you know. Lord, I want to raise the question whether or not all their contributions were indeed a source of blessing. Right? That's, a, that's an important point. We tend to think that technology is great. Right? Any, any new technology, like I wonder, you know, I, I sometimes wonder, and I, maybe I'm crazy, like the car, right? one of the greatest you know, you know, um, inventions. I mean, how many hundreds of thousands of people died because of cars? Right? Was it worth it in the long run? I don't know. You know? We have, we have nuclear energy is wonderful. Now we, we could have a planet being blown up in a matter of hours. Like, is that good? The internet was that, yeah, it's wonderful what we could do. We could, we could now pay bills, you know, without putting an envelope, I'm writing a check and putting an envelope. I mean, is, is, is the cost worth the thing? Like, I don't know that, you know, we, we talk about these things that are so good and all these amazing advances in, in humanity. I don't know. You know, medicines, yeah, medicines are great. But, you know, we also have, you know, we have the same laboratories that, that, uh, that make medicines, probably uh, sick to COVID on everyone. And, and uh, you know, and, and all the other dangers now that's going on with, you know, they're, they're changing DNA and CRISPR, like... You know, it's, it's the idea that somehow, just because you, you know, created something positive, that somehow that's a net positive for humanity, you know, he's like, no, you know, not so posh. Don't take it easy over here about your contributions to society. But I do want to ask whether, or not, whether it was not in fact Yisrael that succeeded consciously and at the sacrifice of its own temporal happiness in rescuing out of the shipwreck of the times the only safeguard that could ultimately turn all else, science, culture, art, and inventive skill into blessing, building blocks for the salvation of the world, by subordinating these endeavors to their true purpose. That's right, a long sentence. He's saying that every other nation, they may have done some good things, maybe, maybe not. They did it, they didn't do it consciously, right? It was, they all did it for themselves, right? It was, uh, it was for their own, uh, their own purpose, their own wealth, their own success, right? The, his jobs didn't invent Apple because he wanted to help people, right? He, he did it because he wanted to make a lot of money, right? Klai Yisrael, consciously, right? The entire role of Klai Yisrael is to, to be the Arlu Umais, to be the, the, the nation of Hashem, to teach the world about what a, what a person's role in life is. They did, they did it consciously. And what was the cost, right? What was the cost of Klai Yisrael doing what they did? 
How many millions of Yidin were killed because they were Yidin? So who, did any person ever sacrifice to build a, you know, a, a building? Or did anyone sacrifice to, to you know, any scientist now sitting here in a university that's going to be moisten nefesh to do his study on the psychological effects of, uh, of whatever, you know what I mean? The guy sitting there in a laboratory trying to think, like they did some gracious sacrifice, right? In Yidin, yet we were moisten nefesh for generations and generations to do our tafkin. And what did we do? We turn everything else, right? All the science, culture, art, and skills, all those things, we turn them into blessing. We show the world how these things are means to an end, right? The role, the, the thing that Kaisal gave, and again, our impact, we don't realize it, it happens slowly, incrementally, but we can look at the great religions all coming out of Yiddishkeit and, and injecting some sort of bracha into the world, the lessons that Kaisal teaches the world about. You know, we, we take for granted now so many, so many concepts of justice, of kindness, of mercy, of value of life, it's so all Jewish concept. These are all things that we taught the world, right? So you want to talk about the contribution of Yiddishkeit to the world, right? You know, you always, every couple of years when, when people, are, you know, nowadays it's very popular to rip the Jews, how they control everything, right? So every couple of years, someone will write a whole long article. Oh yeah, the Jews, look what they did. They cured polio, they cured this thing and penicillin and right on the Jews and the more Nobel Prize winners than any other... Yeah, it's true, but that's not that's not the contribution of Yiddin. They punked happened to be Yiddin, they won a Nobel Prize. Like that's that's what Yiddishkeit is. We're the nation who taught people morality, right? You read you know who knew this more than anyone? Hitler knew this, right? You read Mein Kampf, he hated the Jews because they gave the world a conscience. He's like, Yeah, look, they make us feel they made us feel guilty now. Like we can't do what we want, now we feel guilty. He writes this many times in, in, in Mein Kampf, right? We, we taught the world morality. We taught the world what's right from wrong. We taught them to pursue, you know, to pursue, you know, that, 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 that the life, you know, that the things in life, money, wealth, power, health, these things are means to an end, they're not the end to itself. So you want to talk about which nation contributed the most to the world? It's Kaiso. Right? Is it not the highest level of human greatness to be the bearer of Hashem's teachings regarding God's mission? How, how can you be greater than, than your God's uh, emissary? To teach by one's destiny and way of life that there is a higher goal than wealth and pleasure and science and culture and that all of these should serve as means to the fulfillment of that goal. Right? So again, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's a perspective, right? Again, I don't know that we struggle with this so much today. Like, we don't feel like that as Jews are like, we're not part of the world. You know, we're very much part of the world in, in many ways. And, but the idea that we as Yidin should be the ones to teach the world what the purpose of wealth is, right? That the wealth is not, you know, is not, a, is not an end to itself. To live your life, to live your life according to, uh, to, 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 the, to, to what the purpose of life is, right? That you can show the world that, uh, that, that, that money is, is not the purpose, pleasure is not the purpose, but these are all means to an end. And happiness will come not from indulging, but come from taking what Hashem gave you and using it for the right purpose. Okay, we'll do one final point that he's addressing. Again, the letter goes on for a while. We'll do it for the next couple of weeks. One of the titles that he wrote is that Torah isolates us, right? That, you know, it separates us. Oh, the Jews are different, right? We're, we're out. We always look different. We behave different. We can't, uh, we can't join them. Um, he wrote that the Torah isolates us. True. If it did not, Yisrael would long since have lost its identity, right? In other words, we have to be separate. We have to stay separate because... Uh, Otherwise, we're in trouble, right? It's like we, we're not going to survive as a Yidin. If we intermarry, if we you know, join the rest of the world and everything, it's a problem. And look what struggles are required to preserve the purity of Yisrael's spirit within our people, despite, right? despite all the things that keep us separate from the Goyim, we still are, have a hard time with assimilation and get influenced by the Goyim. So because we have this special role, you know, we have, to, we have to keep a little bit separate. But does this spell enmity or pride? Like, is this like, is it like the Jews are like racist? You know what I mean? As if God were not the Lord of all creatures, all men, an unfortunate misinterpretation indeed. 
After all, Yisrael has no other tassin to acknowledge as its God, the one who calls and educates all human beings to his service and to make him known as such through his destiny and way of life. In other words, the role of Klai Yisrael, as we've went, went on for the last few weeks, right, is to teach the world, is to be the nation of Hashem that demonstrates to the world, you know, what the purpose of life is. And so I mean, our purpose is to teach the world. That means the rest of the world is very important. Right? We're not ignoring the rest of the world. We exist for the rest of the world. When the terrorist speaks of the Jewish people as segula, it doesn't mean that Hashem does not belong to other people. The school doesn't mean that Hashem is, is only ours, just the opposite. But it means that, that we must be only Hashem's and we can't go to any other God, right? That's what a school is. Hashem says, you're, you're my segula, you make sure that no other God can claim, you know, the Jews can't serve any other God. But not that God doesn't have any other people, right? We must not acknowledge any other being as God. Right? So again, what Rav Hirsch here is saying is, is this is something which I think there would be a tremendous divide between you know, Rav Hirsch and, and other hashkafas and philosophies. Even the Ramchal probably maybe sounds a little bit different, right? How the rest of the world is kind of, they lost it and they're gone and now it's all about Klai Yisrael. This is Rav Hirsch. And Rav Hirsch now, he talks about the, the Hasidi Umay Sa'ilam. He talks about how any guy could really be Zeichat Elam Haba. And we'll stop here because it goes on for a little bit. But again, this is, this is an important idea in Rav Hirsch's Ashkafa for sure. It's not universally accepted. But in Rav Hirsch, Rav Hirsch says, look at Navi. It's hard to argue, right? Look at the Sefer Yeshaya. How much of it is talking about other nations, right? We're talking about all the, 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 the Naviim are saying Nevuah and I'm, I'm Malik and I'm Mitzrayim. Bilam. Bilam is the same Mishal which are recorded in the Torah about, about all the other nations, right? Klai was never about we're the only ones and no one else. We have a very specific role among the nations and we, more than any other nation, has to do what Hashem says. And we have to focus on that and we are tied up in that destiny and, and if we fail, even if other nations fail just as bad, we get punished and they don't, right? It's a big responsibility. But not that other people and not that Goyim have no purpose. Not that the world was created only for us and they're just kind of scenery, right? Fakarit, the world was created for all human beings. Hashem made a nation of Klai Yisrael to, to, to demonstrate, to serve, to inspire those other nations, right? So again, uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's, there are definitely people today that would say, no, Fakarit, the Yidin is all about Yidin, the Goyim are Tumat Treif, and that's it. They lost it once they chose, not, you know, ate from the, right? Once they, Avram Avinu, that's it. It's now, now it's only Klai Yisrael. That's not, what? Yeah, listen, first of all... No, well, uh, well, again... Okay, first of all, that's a, that's a halacha of an Eved. An Adam is halacha of an right? It's an you know, this is not so posh, right? That uh, halacha is Adam kiyakamikem that a guy can bring a carbon because they're included in Adam, right? That's the famous theory in, in, in Jesus' asset, right? So... The, the, with regard to the Torah and mitzvahs, yeah, Klai saw different, we have a different role, but the, but the point is that, that the world wasn't created for them. You think Hashem created 99.99% of the world just as furniture for Klai Yisrael? That's kind of strange. What? The, the point is, in, in a Hirsch's world, the world was created for human beings to serve Hashem. Right? Now the problem is that most human beings fell off it, right? That was the last few, we have to read the you know, last few, let's read his history, that unfortunately they failed in their task. So in order for Hashem to bring the world to that ultimate goal of recognizing him. So, Hashem created a nation that was going to be his nation. They would be the Ar Lagoyim, like the Pasuk says in Yeshaya, that they're going to be the ones to demonstrate what the purpose is. And the rest of the world will ultimately come to that Akara through Klai Yisrael. But the purpose is for everyone to serve Hashem and for the entire world to recognize him. That's the ultimate goal and purpose. Yeah. All right, we'll stop here.